Father Brendan Staunton, you're an Irish Jesuit. You have a background in psychoanalysis as a graduate of St. Vincent School in, in psychotherapy. You went to see Martin Scorsese's latest film, Silence, based on the true story of the Portuguese Jesuits who went to Japan in the 17th century in search of one of their mentors, Father Ferreira, who had disappeared. They'd lost contact with him. And when they get there, they find that he has apostatized. He has renounced his faith and that the small Christian community there has been under severe persecution. How did you react to that film? I found it an amazing film. First of all, I, it was last Tuesday and that, two days before that I'd been reading about the Coptic Christians in Egypt who were killed during mass, bombed out. So the whole the topic and the theme, even though it's set in the 17th century, uh, I found very um, resonant. It's a long film, it's very heavy, it's like watching King Lear. But what struck me most of all about it was the poetry. I think it's a remake of Bergman's trilogy in the 60s, the third one being The Silence, about the crisis of faith and the absence of God. But even more than that, I think it's a homage to Tarkovsky's film Andrei Rublev, the iconic painter. So Russia is very relevant because Tarkovsky's film set in the 15th century, where there was awful persecution. And I'd say 50% of the shots in Scorsese's film are direct quotations from Rublev. And the parallels are just, that's what I found amazing about it. Do you think then that it's one of the themes that Scorsese is looking at is persecution of faith, of people of faith, and the absence of their God in that persecution? Well, uh, the context, yes, in terms of the case. He himself, from the very beginning, was interested in questions of faith and doubt, right from the last temptation of Christ and a taxi driver. He had a, he has a kind of Ignatian spirit. And he read the novel 23 years ago and has lived it ever since and has wanted to make this film for years. What do you mean he had a kind of Ignatian spirit? Um, well, Taxi Driver. I remember the judge of reviewing that film when it came out way back in the 60s and he said this film was made with indignation spirit, that your man wanted to clean up corruption and justice in the world and all that. That's all there. But I think cinematically this is a real tour de force. Now the issues are there and the questions are relevant. There's a great scene where one of the Jesuits is praying in extreme situations under enormous pressure and he wonders, is he praying into silence? You know, so that issue is there. There are a lot of Ignatian references, the spiritual exercises are referred to explicitly, but there's one amazing scene where they're walking through forests and trees and they suddenly come across water and one of the Jesuits falls down on his face and washes his face with the water and he suddenly sees his own reflection in the water and he's looking at his own reflection which gradually turns into El Greco's Christ with the crown of thorns and and so I think that echoes Ignatius's vision at La Storta. So every scene is loaded. It's an amazing film in that sense. The very opening, the mist and the people emerging from the mist is just so visual. And a lot of the interior scenes are like a Rembrandt painting. The lighting, I think, is quite deliberately Rem- like a Rembrandt. And um, Can you explain that exactly? Well, if you know the Rembrandt in our National Gallery, the 
the nativity scene or the rest yes. in the flight to Egypt. You have the, the orange, the darkness and, yes. and the light and the little glowing, glowing orange and so on. So the Tarkovsky parallels are one thing. The Bergman updating is another. The whole issue of inculturation is very big in it. You know, what were the Jesuits doing in 17th century Japan? Were they just exporting a Christianity? Francis Xavier had converted a lot of people and then after his time that the Christians had been repressed again and now this is a second kind of awakening or a coming. And that of course is a, a, a theme of Endo in his book on silence. Mm. What exactly is Christianity? And I think that comes out in the film is, is there is there a pure Christianity or is it always inculturated in the people, be they Japanese, Irish or whatever, mm. that they make Christianity is an experience, not a body of ideas. Well, you mentioned at the beginning about the absent father, you know, and the search for the father, their mentor. And the, the, it's a great scene at the beginning with their dialogue with the provincial, persuading the provincial to let them go back and look for Father Ferreira. And he's reluctant at first, obviously. And there's a wonderful aerial shot of the three of them going down the, the big steps into the unknown, into the depths. From his very early days, Corsese declared his aim in making films. He said, I want to get people to think, even if they don't want to think. So he really rubs your nose on it. I mean, it's visceral stuff. It's gutsy cruelty. And Yeah, can you talk to me a wee bit about that? Because it's one of the things that I would find maybe less appealing at a, at a level, and that is that obviously there is torture. The Christians are tortured. The Jesuits are tortured. How visceral is that? Because certainly Scorsese in Taxi and Mean Streets doesn't shy away from violence. Mm-hmm. Is it watchable? Can you say, well, I'm glad I watched it, I needed to, even though it, maybe it's quite harrowing? Well, it's like it's like watching King Lear. It's the blinding scene in King Lear is not pleasant looking, but it stays with you. There's an amazing scene. I think it's he's, he's a, there's an implicit critique of America, the waterboarding technique in Afghanistan. Because there's one scene of the three people being crucified in the water and the waves are crashing over them. I mean, I'd say he's, that's a critique of waterboarding. And you remember Trump in his campaign praised waterboarding and said he would do worse. So I think there is that contemporary resonance in the film, even though we're talking about the 17th century. And that's the genius of Scorsese, really. I'm hearing you saying that this is a film, you said it was cinematically amazing, the symbolism works on an, it would seem to be on a number of levels. Um, the faces, for the start, this, whoever did the casting deserves an Oscar. The faces alone are worth the admission fee. They're just extraordinary. I think Adam Driver looked incredible in his face. Oh, both of them. And both of them did the spiritual exercises for a week in St. Binos, a silent retreat. I think they were directed by Skype by James Martin. That's right, the American who was who was a close consultor all right through. They really empathise with the Jesuit spirit. It's a tour de force, the performance. It's amazing. The face is a big motif, both in the novel and in the film. It's a really important symbol the whole way out and, and was very important to Scorsese as he said in the interview with Spadaro that yeah. he looked at the face of his newborn daughter and it was mystical, it was God. And just like Tarkovsky, we have images of Rublev's icons spread throughout the film. We get images of Christ from different, mostly medieval periods, where it's the suffering Christ. And that's what you see in the faces of the villagers 
who are being persecuted and hounded. And there's an amazing scene of they visit the two Jesuits arrive in a village, and it's been completely devastated, a bit like Aleppo at the moment. And he's standing there, and next minute about twelve cats appear, and the cats are the only ones that have survived. And then the horse is dressed up that the persecutor comes in and rides in. He's treated nicer than the village, the people. It's very graphic, the contrast. So Corsese gets you in the gut. You know, he kicks you in the gut. And I think that's why some people found it heavy going and long. It's about two hours, 15 minutes, I think, is the length. Just then, for people listening to this, you know, people who are Catholic, people who are lapsed Catholic, people who like Scorsese, people who are film buffs, why should they go and see it? What does it do for you? I doubt it will be a commercial success, but I'd say it will last. I'd say 20 years' time it won't be dated because the issues are timeless. The absent father is a universal theme, uh, the search for the father. Um, And people who know Scorsese will love it because it's a kind of a, a, a next step in his career. You know, you can, he's really now found his message and his theme. And what is that, do you think? The difficulty of faith in a secular world and the question of religious persecution. Why is goodness hated so much? What is it about Christianity that provokes so much opposition? And what is it about that kind of resistance to goodness? And also about a faith that is incarnate in the person themselves, not a set of principles to which one adheres, which again leaves you facing as you say, the difficult questions, that visceral question, because it seems that he challenges where is God in you, not the God out there, and then what does that mean? It's a different silence that comes in. Well, you've hit the nail on the head there, Pat, because the core issue, one of his big questions is, can you do bad for good to happen? I mean, a lot of Jesuits were completely dissatisfied by the film because the three Jesuits renounced their faith. But they did it so that salvation could be achieved by other people. And that's a question that has tormented Scorsese for years. Can you do bad? bad if good is about to emerge. Now, the good has to be good and noble, obviously. The film really um, develops that difficulty, that dilemma. And that's the genius of Scorsese. He gets at the inner life of the characters, as he says... It's the intention that counts. The act might be reprehensible. The act on the surface might be awful, but the intention is what Scorsese was trying to get at. And these Jesuits, they were very idealistic. A lot of people would be very impressed with the idealism, but the idealism certainly of the early Jesuits and their coping under severe pressure, I know, affected a lot of Jesuits. But it's that whole question of the intention and the act that, you know, the ambiguous acts can hide a noble intention. In the end, I think you're left with that challenge that it isn't a film or a book about a story rather than an engagement that can leave you uneasy or forced to reflect on the God you have, the image of that God, why you have that, very fundamental questions about morality and the good and about the challenge of the other that that calls on us. So in in all those ways, it's as you say, it is a film that will last, if not be a box office success. He was voted the fifth greatest director in the Sight and Sound survey way back and it's like looking at a painting, a lot of this film. They're, they're very... There's a, 
Fantastic shots from inside caves looking out. Fire and water. Every 90 seconds, fire appears or water appears. And the rhythm of those elemental images were like a unifying thread running through the whole film. But that's what he's getting at, these elemental questions. The fire and the water. Faith and doubt. 